Hi, I'm Rich Wynn. And I'm Rebecca Nixon. And this is the, the PropTech, PropTech Growth, Growth Podcast. Podcast. Every episode, we interview an expert in the PropTech startup space, gathering their advice and expertise to help you run a successful PropTech business. I'm the portable PropTech CMO, and I help PropTech startups build and scale their commercial growth strategy. I'm Rich from Richwind Consultancy. I specialize in operations, sales, and process, helping fintechs and prop tech companies to grow. Before this, I was um, looking at starting something up like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I sort of spoke to like business coaches and uh, ended up working with one who, who was, you know, quite good. And the idea that I had was pretty pants. So, you know, they did what they could with it, but they sort of, um, you know, said that this is how we would do it. And I was like, okay, well, that's the one page marketing plan. I've, I've read that book. Why would I pay you two grand to, you know, <laughs> score something out on a Trello board for me? Right. I just do that myself on a sheet of paper that I print off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there, I, I say that there is more to it than, than that. But when I heard, I, I was just like, that's like for what you charge and the amount of customers that you have, that's like maybe I should start doing something like that because it's obviously works. And mm-hmm. if you find the right book that works for you, then, you know, go for it. And, and we all... I'm writing my own framework from scratch like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. And that, that that's, you know, what I, I've been doing and looking at as well, like, you know, especially around the sales and, and, and marketing process, like, I just think w- w- there must be something out there that that works, especially when you look at B2B SaaS, and, and we sort of discussed this mm. uh, l- last week, and I put that on, on a post, and I think it was um, Rajiv Nayar again, who when we did the podcast with him, was like, it's, you know, everyone knows the B2B SaaS model, but it's that nuance on top of industry that mm. sometimes people don't, don't sort of think about. But... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how different people work, and as much as mentors and business coaches and people like that are good, if you find the right one, there are a lot of shysters or equivalents mm. out there, and it is you know you, you you have to sort of work your way through it, as I guess you do with with contractors and and, and people like ourselves. You need mm. to find the right fit of people to work with. Um, so yeah that's that's where i'm at but yeah really interesting book um so far and i find i'm again with audio i find it so much easier to listen than read i couldn't find the time to read like that book but um listen to it i find much easier the same way i find video easier yeah it's different for everyone i mean i think depending on the context yeah i find reading a book easier for some some things and listening for others love an audiobook love a podcast it's just such a good way to especially if you're doing something mindless like you're cooking or cleaning or driving or going for a walk it's yeah it's nice to have that that yeah walking and running are the two things that I probably do and I don't when I run I can't really listen to anything but when I'm just walking somewhere like I went for a walk to get a coffee this morning uh you just have it in and it's it goes into your subconscious even if you're not really listening because you're sort of 
you're dozy like me and you're just staring around and walking into traffic the wrong way because you're not sort of not not really with it that early in the mornings. I think it went out about six. Um, but it was, it's nice up north, so uh, yeah, I didn't mind that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, at least some of it gets into your subconscious for sure, even if you're not fully paying attention. You can listen to it like five times and then the, the top stuff will eventually float up and you'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's like if I read on my Kindle, like I highlight the bits that are really important or that I think are really important, mm. but then I never go back and actually look at them. I've just highlighted them and then like, oh, I've read that book now. I sort of like I've written down a couple of things, which, again, I'll never go back and look at, but mm. you, know, you sort of it's one of those, it's, it is definitely repetition and that's why people revise for exams and stuff like that but mm-hmm. uh, yeah speaking of podcasts that um our tea life adam piggott podcast has been our most successful yet um it's already overtaken steve rad which i thought would take some some doing but there's been massive massive interest in that so hopefully um yeah that that really takes off and it will all be because of us and our podcasts rather than the product itself which is a fantastic product but it is not as fantastic as our podcast i think <laughs> i think everybody would agree we won't edit that out that's great no 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 i don't think it's good. <laughs> it's good. um but yeah what have you been up to anyway um taking my own advice which is like always my update right it's like hang on a minute what do I always tell people they need to do um and what I've been working on has been getting really clear on my value proposition so the the different areas within a business and the marketing function which is very broad Um, breaking that down into the value that I add to each of those areas and the journey that I take each of my clients on, broken down into their uh, customer relationship, their branding, their offering, their messaging, um, and then ongoing coaching and support after that and breaking it down quite into quite a detailed set of deliverables and a, a methodology to take people through. And I think... I've been resistant to that because not because prop tech businesses are super unique, but because prop tech founders tend to feel that their businesses are so unique that any sort of standardized framework won't apply to them. And I think that that's a misconception. And I think a lot of very experienced founders who we've spoken to have said that that's a misconception. Um, There are standardized ways of doing things that are best practice for a reason. And the reason you get an expert in to do what they do is because they have that experience. If that experience wasn't applicable to you, it wouldn't matter if you got an expert in to do it or not, right? So opening up the sort of mysterious black hole of, of what it means to have a CMO and what that person delivers has been an interesting journey for me, particularly because a lot of the time I do run on instinct because I meet a founder and all of that experience is just sort of rattling around in the back of my head. I'm not specifically thinking through things that I've done before, but because I've done so much of this stuff before I'm speaking to someone and I'm going, okay, I'm already pulling at threads, knowing the direction that you need to take and what we need to do. And so 
it's almost as if I just want to get in there and start getting stuff done and ticking stuff off the to-do list. But again, taking my own advice, what I always tell people is get the strategy right first, get the fundamentals right first. So with that in mind, I'm trying to get really, really clear on the process that these businesses need to go through and how I take them through that and how they can manage that internally as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, we discussed this last week, didn't we? And um, again, I've I've taken some of your advice and, and again, the, the sort of value proposition that I offer, sometimes it can be hard unless you speak to me. It's hard to understand because I was so exceptional at, at mortgage sales and, and, you know, everything around that. And even in, in Dubai commercial real estate, I was I was pretty fantastic at um, obviously being really humble and um you know I, I think getting that across is something that i really need to to work on and i think as a, a you know a contractor or freelancer um you know i think until you've got three or four steady clients you still have to refer to yourself as a sort of freelancer um you know as, as much as it sort of you know i want it to be a business you know i'm, I'm there or thereabouts but um yeah i think people who know me and um you know uh, who've worked with me before or you know people who took a chance such as obviously inventory base my favorite company um although i'm completely unbiased um but they're, they're the best inventory provider um you know and and what i've brought to them in the sales process and and you know even from my my old company tnhg what, what i implemented there you know you talk about case studies um you know it would be um you know something pretty magnificent that that i can sort of talk through on there but you're 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 definitely right and i think what a massive benefit of of you is is obviously i mean look marketing is pretty easy um but getting it right is is not easy because you need that that full buy-in and again we were discussing that last week if that company or that founder or whoever doesn't have full buy-in and isn't willing to take the time in the same way if they're not fully bought into hiring their first salesperson or they don't have the time to do it and they just say look let's just hire five freelance and and, and hope for the best sort of thing it's just not going to work out you have to make the time to do it otherwise it's just not going to work in the same way i, I was thinking about this i spoke to about 10 different founders uh, over the past four weeks and said then what is your sales process two out of the 10 could tell me in detail what the sales process were and those two unsurprisingly were probably the most successful with regards to you know that that consistency of mrr you know there's obviously different measures of success um but you know to to not know your sales process you can't you don't need to know everything as a founder but how how would you not know what your salespeople are doing how can you actually get decent information and, and data that you can then work from without knowing exactly what your sales process is and it's you know one of those things that's so important and and is easy to overlook because again I, I, from when i had hooched um i i lived on data i obviously i was selling as well and i knew the sales process because it was my process because it's you know mortgage is fairly prescriptive but because it's online like online broker we had to change sort of how, how we did it but again because i was selling it i knew the process i could teach people the process coach people on the process because it is you know 
like I say, quite prescriptive, but there's no reason why you can't have a prescriptive sales process. There aren't that many sales processes out there for inbound or outbound calling, like which is ultimately what these these guides do. Obviously, relationship building BDMs is, is slightly different. But again, there's still a process there and there will still be making outbound calls and inbound calls. And you just need to make sure that that consistency is there across. Otherwise, your data isn't going to be consistent. And so how can you properly run a sales team, whether you've got a sales manager or you're doing it yourself, or whether you've got one salesperson or, or 10 salespeople, I, it does make a, a huge difference. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm the answer to that. I, I, you know, it's, you could read a book and, and go with a sales process um, from there. There are great books out there um, to to do that but i would say you know that is one of the key things that you need to to focus on if you're not at the moment to at least know what it is even if it's bit part you know we just look for people on linkedin approach them do whatever i think that's what we do like which is one of the answers that i got like i'm just like okay you know but you can still make that into a process like it doesn't it's, it doesn't have to be ad hoc um so yeah but uh, so, something that maybe I know I'm sort of talking more than you, but um, uh, it's just sort of that uh, job that I um, told you about last week, which was just so atypical of people looking for marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, so as a, it was a head of marketing job for a, a, a law firm, completely irrelevant, but um, it was for a law firm and they wanted a, a marketing person who um, it was who would work with the sales team to help market the sales side of things but well, also let's go through each item one but this will be fun okay? okay you go through each item and i'll start the salary and bump it up for each added function okay, okay? so you want starting with a salesperson who's uh, sorry a marketing person who's going to work with the sales team on marketing the product or the yes, service right the service yeah Okay, so we're now at 35 grand. Yeah, but they also wanted someone with experience, and they, they had to have two years experience in marketing with sales. Uh, and they then wanted somebody in, for the same role, head of marketing, someone who um, could work with HR uh, in that recruitment, basically. Um, 48 grand. And then they wanted two years experience in that as well. 53 grand. They also want, wanted for some unknown reason that I've never understood that they wanted someone with a bachelor's degree in marketing. 57 grand. And well, so something else that was completely ridiculous. Oh yeah. They wouldn't report into the head of sales or the someone higher up they would report in to the sales team to tell the I'm sales not adding anything to that at all. <laughs> no, but just out of pure ridiculousness and it, it's a cut and paste job from obviously marketing and that was a head of marketing and um, are they offering 57 to 65 grand 40 grand no bonus base no. I mean, you couldn't even hire a three day a week content writer for that. Just absolutely bizarre. And I think. What do they think people's rent is? <laughs> what? Let's all just live in vans. The, the, the thing is, I can't, 
I don't even know where they were based, but even Midlands up north on one person on 40 grand, if you're head of marketing, no. is such a low salary. Mm -hmm. And to do everything that they were asking, which seemed like quite a lot, it just it just didn't make sense. You would need to add at least one other person to the team, mm -hmm. to the marketing team in order to get that. Because they were a relatively big solicitors um for uh, i don't know maybe they were conveyancing i can't remember mm -hmm. um, but yeah it just made me laugh one of the first things that when we met when you were sort of describing what a, a, a portable cmo was and and then i think even in one of the podcasts when we were talking about it and you pretty much described that advert i think when we were talking to um jimmy armitage and he was going through the recruitment side of things mm -hmm. and he was people just say these things and then put in 40 grand and when you actually speak to them and realize like it, it's actually like you need to be paying 60 to 80 or whatever they're just like clueless but it was so specific so um, weird yeah i saw one the other day that i think yes they were offering about 30 grand and just the list of requirements it was like they'd gone around the business and asked everyone what do you just not want to do or don't know how to do and that's marketing now seriously yeah <laughs> it's like i think i think it speaks to a historical issue with the value of marketing which is understandable right when you build an entire set of roles around this idea of making things look pretty then once that doesn't offer enough value you try and add a whole bunch of extra functions in to make it add value but actually the issue is failing to understand and as marketers we do this ourselves it's a real issue in the marketing industry we're getting better at it but delivering scalable business solutions is what a good marketing function will do and it's about going from you know we've got a few salespeople who are talking to individuals on a one-to-one -one basis telling them the benefits of our product and getting them to buy it to we have a publicly available presence that draws people in to engage with us. And that includes making it look pretty because if it looks like crap, no one will trust you or think that you're professional, but that's not why that the, the visual appeal isn't the end game. The visual appeal is just one step along the way when it comes to building a scalable business. I think that's interesting. And I think a lot of companies and even myself, when I um, set up the digital marketing department at my old, um, old employer, you know, they want to see a return on their investment as such. And I think marketing, some people don't understand that marketing is sales. It runs very closely with that. And if you just want something, some, someone to make some, stuff look pretty and put out some all right copy and stuff like that that's not really marketing that's just an admin doing a role that could be perceived as as, as marketing marketing mm -hmm. to bring in business that will help the sales team you know with with value and and i think between sales and marketing obviously depending on who you are and the skill set that you have um you know building that that ux is so important now and it, it has to, you know, you have to work closely with sales in order to do that. But mm. you need somebody like yourself who understands that concept and can can make that work. Because, you know, 
if you can't, you are pretty much wasting your money on marketing, which is why paying someone 40 grand to do what they've just asked is just a complete waste of money because you're not going to get somebody who understands that that sales, you know, it's sales and marketing is basically the same thing. You just sort of, you don't hire a sales marketing person, you hire a marketing or a salesperson. The only difference between sales and marketing is that sales is one-to-one -one and marketing is one-to-many. That's it. Everything else is the same. Um, so, you know, marketing sits higher up in the funnel as a general rule because it's one-to-many and sales is lower down because it's one-to-one -one and you've got this funnel going down. But the overlap in the middle is significant. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And um, it's interesting. I mean, when I was in sales, just looking back, I never really saw the value of marketing. Mm -hmm. I was so, like you say, I was so focused on what was in front of me, the one, the one, obviously, as you get older, you appreciate how much you actually have to spend on marketing. If you go like down the Google route or any sort of ads, paid ads, SEO, whatever, you know, you know that, that, and I'm not going to call it a necessary evil, but in a lot of cases it is a necessary evil. If you start from scratch, you either need to get some lists from somewhere, which is pretty hard and pretty expensive, or you go onto Google and waste a load of money while you work out how it actually works and you pay these shoddy companies and they just rip you off like you're five grand down before you've even started. I'm sure there are some great companies out there and I do know some really good companies. I'm not having a go at, at SEO and, and Google ads companies, um, but to find a good one who is an expert in your sector is, is, is very difficult. And I, again, I think that's where somebody like you comes in with regards to, you can probably recommend someone or at least guide someone within that, the, the Google ads type area um because that's almost a full-time job as well i know as I, I i did it um you know and again it's it's the data that's so important someone has to mine that data and then report back to the necessaries and does a founder have time to do that as well as everything else they're trying to do they really really don't and so what it ends up becoming is an ad hoc admin job for them which they can't focus on because how could they um and even when we talk about marketing, B2B SaaS marketing is niche and Google ads are designed for mass engagement. So you're already on the back foot. So if you want meaningful engagement with your audience, you need to know how to build that into your advertising strategy. And in fact, I very rarely on a more tactical note, I very rarely recommend people use Google ads for quite some time because I'm always telling them, let's run some LinkedIn ads first. LinkedIn cost per click is a lot higher, but the results you're going to get are going to be so much more meaningful because the audience is a professional audience that you've targeted based on what they do, what their job title is, even their email address if you can get it. And so you're going with this really targeted audience that you know is made up of the people you're trying to reach. Whereas with Google ads, it's a bit of spray and pray because you're putting stuff out there, hoping that the people who are searching for the terms you're targeting are the ones you're trying to reach. So you're already at a disadvantage there. So to test messaging and find out what actually engages with people, B2B is a really, really different space than generic marketing. I've seen at least three B2B SaaS prop tech startups in the last six months hiring B2C marketing managers and then wondering why they fall flat on their face. 
crazy. That's really interesting. I've it's not LinkedIn ads as the the best option for B two B. It's actually really like straightforward. But I would never think to say that first. I would always think Google Ads, and so that that's a learn for me. That I mean, obviously, I I know about building up brand, uh, presence and all that sort of stuff on LinkedIn, but actual ads. I don't know if I see any ads on LinkedIn or if I just assume it's just part of the feed or or, or what. But um, yeah, that, that, the reason that they're so good is because it's so curated. So any ads you're getting on LinkedIn are usually carefully targeted and thought about and written by people who know what they're doing and are trying to add value. So I would recommend next time you're on LinkedIn, have a little look out for some ads because. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I am not a big fan of advertising in general. Marketing and advertising are not the same thing. Um, and you know, marketing and brand are not the same thing. They have overlapping touch points. Um, but when it comes to advertising as an industry, I tend to keep it at arm's length for all of the reasons that all of our listeners will be very au fait with. Um, but on a professional platform, it's kind of a different story. And I think most people who are on LinkedIn, like you say, are actually not even noticing whether or not what they're seeing is sponsored content or whether it's just part of their feed. That's interesting. I mean, so advertising, I guess, for me, if you need to move quickly and you need to get customers, which everybody does, for me, marketing's more of a longer game, I guess. Because if you don't advertise, how are you going to get people to your website? Or how are you going to get people to to know about you? I know with with marketing, like for me, it's always just been a longer game, which is why the adverts, when you only have X amount and you have a you know runway of six months or whatever, mm-hmm. you get someone in ASAP. So, can you explain that? Sure. So. Sometimes advertising isn't the quickest way Um, because, as I explained, the difference between, say, Google Ads, which is mass marketing to as many people as possible in the hope that they'll respond to you, which can be a money pit. Then you have LinkedIn Ads, which is very, very targeted. One of the first things, and this is very generic advice, so take it with a pinch of salt, but one of the first things a B2B SaaS company needs to do is test messaging because you can't assume that what you're saying is necessarily going to engage with the people you're trying to reach. As a B2B SaaS company, presumably you have either a few customers already or you have some people who are probably going to be customers or on like a free trial, like people you've started engaging with before you got funding, um, who you may have met through your black book or your investors. And there's a few people who see the value in your product and are either paying for it or willing to pay for it. Having conversations with those people about the value that they're getting from your product, crafting that into some messaging that will engage with other people who are like them. So that's around your value proposition, but it's also around the day-to-day challenges that those people are facing and how you might be able to help just with advice in general or insights or reports or articles, whatever. And so building out a set of messages and putting those in front of, say, your existing customers and saying, hey, 
what if this, excuse my dog, it's nap time. Um, what if this lands with you the most? Put it in order of one to 10, right? Then you have a bunch of messages to test with the market, but you want to test it with the people who you're trying to reach. You don't want to test it with everyone. That's where something as simple as list building can come into play. So buying a list online is fraught with all sorts of issues, but you can hire someone on Fiverr and go, here's an online list from an online directory of however many companies that I am trying to target with my services. I'm looking for someone with this job title, you know, this sort of location. You give them as much information as you can, like demographic database information that you can give them and ask them to go away and build a contact list for you. Try and get a couple of thousand people on it. Then you run that contact list through a list cleaning service because there's going to be a lot of junk in there and you don't want to damage your sender reputation. Then you use a low-cost email marketing tool, like Active Campaign is one I often use for testing messaging. And then you break those lists up and you send them each out a series of messages, email messages with subject lines that relate to the messaging you're trying to test and content that does the same thing and just try a bunch of different stuff. And you'll be amazed at what you will learn from the open rates and click-through rates of those emails. Once you know from those sort of mass experiments of hundreds or even you know, a thousand, a couple thousand people, then you know what content to put in your targeted LinkedIn advertising because you're only going to pay to put stuff in front of people that you know they're interested in and engaged with. And that's when you do your things like your audience expansion where you let the LinkedIn algorithm target a broader range of people who are similar to the ones you already have contact details for. Does that make sense? That's really interesting. And I I think that's a great example slash if someone's not sure how you may start with them or what some of your ideas are or whatever, that's actually very do like you know, I could do that. Obviously I'd have what? to like rewind and take the bits in um obviously i do some stuff with this but um you know that is very clear and you probably do that in you know a week a couple of weeks and the amount of money that you'd save basically if you just go out there and stick some stuff on google or, or, mm -hmm. or linkedin or whatever um you know that that would be well worth it and I, I don't think you'd lose time to do that so that's yeah that's that's really really interesting on average it takes a couple of months usually for me to turn this around with a client but that's because you have back and forth with different people different stakeholders internally and externally that tends to be the longest wait times in in building this stuff out and then of course you need to go into a platform and actually build your stuff um yeah. but you know, even then, it's a few months at me doing, say, one day a week with them. If I did an intensive couple of weeks, yeah, we could turn it around really quickly. That's just an example of the kind of thing that I will often recommend as, yeah, it is sort of a, a generic solution. But if it's done right with somebody who knows how to do it, then it can be incredibly effective. And 
you can save a year's worth of runway where you've hired someone to come in and do advertising and they're just like, okay, well, what ads should I write? And then you go, well, I don't know. That's why I hired you. And they're like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know what your customers want. Tell me about them. And so then you have this like having to draw as much value as you can out of this person and spend so much time with them. Whereas if you spend just a little bit of time talking to your customers and talking to an expert, you can bring those two things together and boom, results. Yeah. And that, that's where I guess value for money comes in as well. You know, when we go back to that 40 grand job, you know, you're not going to get the best person in the world doing that. Whereas if you paid a bit more, even just have you once a week or whatever, you would quite quickly see the value in that as well. And I think that you've, you've made a, a really good case as to why you would be a viable hire. I, I, I wouldn't hire you because your hair's a mess. Always like I've been out in the wind. That's why. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I, I, I don't have that problem. Uh, <laughs> apart from you know, I go to the barbers and say, "Yeah, uh, leave the top, just do the sides." Um, <laughs> do you get a discount for that? I I, I just shave it myself. Um, I'm, I think the last time I, I went, I go to like I went to a barber's in Dubai just to get like the full like flannel and all the the experience. Mm -hmm. But I had a, quite a bushy beard then, so they yeah uh, they sorted that out for me. But, well, my um, partner's hair is longer than mine, and yeah, so he's got really really long hair and a big beard, and it's got to the point now where it gets so tangled and annoying that he's like, I'm just gonna shave it all off. Like, darling, just take a breath you, you you could just get a haircut that's an option <laughs> uh, i'm gonna shave it up one extreme to the other <laughs> how many got some sheep shears or something like that or you just like <laughs> take two no, or three inches off the bottom what do you call it here whipper snipper you call it a strimmer you get the strimmer out <laughs> a whipper snipper is that an australian yeah. thing i think so yeah that's amazing a whipper stripper. <laughs> <laughs> well we've talked a lot about yeah how I would would approach that sort of situation with a business what about you because I know that you you touched on a bit with the sales process issue that you come up with come up against with a lot of these businesses again you know is this just a matter of knowing best practice and and how to implement it or is there more to it than that um i think it depends how much you want to go into it i mean I, i'm very process driven in what i do so you know it's not just sales process if you don't know your sales process you probably don't have written down anywhere what any of your processes are mm -hmm. be that, you know hiring be that you know whatever how to use your crm you know all that sort of stuff i would suggest and one of the th first things that i do and and have done with, with with companies recently is i will go in and we will look at your like up to 15 processes depending on how old that the, the company is or or you know how, how advanced they are and i will get them to write them down and we'll discuss them and from that it's then i just say look put it on an excel stick it somewhere then you've got that information you know your core processes when you hire somebody which the hiring process would be in there you can then say to them 
these are our processes this is how we work if you're looking at very basic you haven't got like a sales manager to coach the salesperson or you know you've just got one salesperson in and they're just doing whatever you get your processes down and then obviously you can change them and you don't want every single process i'd say between 10 and 15 and from that and then from the discussions around the process with one company who were really struggling and were like well you know we've got no leads coming in or anything like that we found that through discussing it well actually oh yeah there's a lead source oh yeah you know wow. why we contacted these people and it, it just sort of it's something as simple as that and we we, we did it in in six hours it was a one-off day and mm -hmm. the, the value that they got out of that then become became so big that you know they've, they've hired two more salespeople and follow the process and things like that and you know obviously that's that's one company i've done it with two or three and we're, we're seeing real sort of um uh, sort of good stuff coming from them um because obviously you keep in touch and it's not just a a, a one-off it is an ongoing thing um but to really get into the, the the sort of the process side of things that that is you know what you should do and arguably you don't need me to do that you could go off and do it yourself but you know do you have the time are you going to concentrate on it are you actually going to give yourself you know that day to do it when you know we were like okay phones off emails off whatever yeah. Gosh, that's so true. and um yeah it just it just seems to work really well so and and that's just the start of it there's there's then quite a, a good process that, that follows that on um and my thing with with process it's never just find out it, it's always solution-led so it's not tell us what's wrong from that process it's okay how can we make that right and then we can then start to make it right and obviously some of the, you've got your proven techniques but some of it is trial and error in the same way it is with you know marketing and advertising and, and, and everything really when you're working on it but quite quickly because you have those processes written down you can find the right process and then just follow it mm -hmm. and then that just that just helps and obviously the bigger your company gets it doesn't mean you have to put every process down but you can get to the point where someone is actually making sure these processes are followed and yeah. that is good because i said mortgages were so prescriptive and you're authorized by fca and all that sort of stuff you have to do certain things and there are certain compliance things but so it's all sort of set out but you know there aren't many financial services firms that are doing badly like obviously with the mortgage rate rises people still need to remortgage going on to a five five year fixed is better than going on to the SBR of eight percent or whatever so you still have to to do that and it's a prescribed sales process so you know everyone knows that and, and it's prescribed accordingly so there's no reason why you can't do that in property or in obviously fintech is, is and prop tech and everything else i think mm -hmm. it works across the board it just so happens that i'm in working in the property and, and, and finance sort of sectors um but yeah it's, it's i find it really interesting loads of people probably find it boring but um it makes such a difference just that that one-off uh, day or you, you know then you know i follow up and, and speak to these clients and you know it's again it's about that that value proposition and and, and just sort of making the client aware of that at the, at the start but um yeah that, that's been really successful for me and um yeah, i definitely recommend it to anybody um like I say even if you, you don't use me just have a look at your processes mm. and even, even if they're the wrong process that doesn't matter have a look at then how you can fix it uh, or how you can make it different or try something different because it, yeah. it does work the company evolves you evolve processes evolve if you're not on top of it 
you'll get, then go to try and scale and they'll say, mm -hmm. okay, what million pounds, what for? Don't know. Just yeah, and then they'll go to scale and then they'll go, yeah, but what are you going to do with it to scale? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's why I need your money. No, so you send up in this feedback loop. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting the way that you sort of talk about um, the the coaching side of it, because actually, while you do humbly say, well, you know, anyone can look at their processes, you get very blinkered in your own business and you don't know what the inside of other people's businesses look like or what best practice necessarily looks like. So you can look at your own processes but you'll be doing that in a completely different context you'll be doing that in the context of someone who only has those to look at and is perhaps a little too close to them and too familiar with them if you have someone external who has that experience who you can trust to come in help you prioritize help you stay on track and know what your kpis are and and set really clear deliverables around improving things then that's going to make that work so much more meaningful. And it's going to be done in the context of other businesses as well who are comparable to yours and ensure that best practice is adhered to. Otherwise, it's a bit like, well, it's a bit like me trying to fix the ride on lawnmower. I don't, I've never fixed a ride on lawnmower before. I'm smart and capable, so I could hop on YouTube and, and try and find some videos to, to fix it. But I'd be a lot smarter to just get someone in who has fixed a hundred other ride-on lawnmowers and can look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's your problem. <laughs> and that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. I think you've just sold me better than I can sell me. Maybe I ought to hire you for a bit. Free, <laughs> free of charge, obviously. But, um, but yeah. Gratis. But I, I think earlier I did say marketing is easy, so you know maybe uh, maybe I need to retract that comment. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I say that on every podcast, so um, yeah, I'll uh, I will I will retract it in this instance. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah. I always end up weirdly, even though I work in marketing, I always end up talking to founders about their onboarding process. That always just seems to be such a sticking point in SaaS. Is, have you found that as well, or is that just me? Yeah, I think for me, it comes back down to process. It's boring that I keep saying it, but it is. If you don't have a prescribed process, if you are, right, we are going to look on LinkedIn, okay? We're going to look for people who are consistent top performers. We're going to you know, look at people who've, we're not interested in people who've been there one or two years because they're obviously not a top performer, right? And that you can look at the company. That, People who've been there three, four, five years, I'm probably going to look at those sort of people in sales, for example, because they're obviously very good at what they do because they've stayed at that company for that period of time. And then mm -hmm. when I sort of, if I get to speak to them, I can then have a look at the people that they know and see if there's anyone that's comparable to them. And so, you know, and then sort of go out from there and then you hire someone and say, you know, not do you know anybody, but are there people that you work with? with before like maybe we need a salesman is anyone you worked before who might fit in that and i think as long as you prescribe rather than just saying we're going to look through linkedin or we're going to use sales navigator to try and find somebody if you have a prescribed process and again you can you can find this anywhere like in, in, mm. in books and and all that sort of stuff if you as long as you have a process and stick to it 
then if it doesn't work out, you probably need to look at another process next time. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, yeah, as long as you do something, but write down what you're doing or structure what you're doing before you do it, mm -hmm. then, you know, it, it's a lot easier. And, you know, I, I was looking at it today and, and um, one of the guy who's, who used to work for me at Hooch, he, he went to Trussell um and became a manager there and then decided he preferred to um to broke so he's just gone out um by himself doing mortgages but he was my third hire uh, mm -hmm. and, um we paid him the most by far because i could see that continued track record of success and i knew he was really really good and he came on board and he was absolutely fantastic um so you know i i can't actually remember how we found him but had I had a process, <laughs> you know, I could have found, you know, people similar to him or he could have brought somebody across. But because I was, you know, again, there's so much going on and you're just happy that you found one person who's good because it is hard, especially as a to get them to come to a startup when they mm -hmm. were getting offers from other places, um, which is why we ended up paying them more than we probably wanted to. But it was worth it in, in, in the long run. And again, you, you pay for quality as I've, you know, found out you know yeah. uh, over the years um so yeah that, that that's my take on it what, what what's yours um well funnily enough i think it just comes down to scalability so actually what i meant when i was talking about onboarding was customer onboarding and i should have specified oh um, right sorry no 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 it's fine um oh. that was me not communicating clearly when I thought that's what you were meant to do in marketing. I thought that was like the key. I step. know, I know. Who knew that I had communication issues? Maybe that's why I went into marketing. <laughs> or, or maybe I just wanted to talk about process again. Maybe. <laughs> but it is a process. Onboarding customers is a process. Yeah, yeah, it is. Often it's not standardized. And so you end up with these startups who are like, oh, yeah, we've got 10 clients. They're all great. Okay, how much did it cost you to get each of those clients on board? And their CAC is so high. And it's because they don't have um, a really robust onboarding process. And um, one of the startups I worked with, they had so many people interested in their product, but no um, efficient way of onboarding them and getting them live on the platform. It's just a manual process every single time. And it had to be IT that were doing it. And I was like, how many pieces of information do you actually need from a customer to get them live on the platform turned out it was about half a dozen and i was like hang on a minute can't you build an online form and get them just to sign up on the website fill out this form that goes into your onboarding system and then they've got to log in emails to them you know like when you sign up for pretty much anything online and they're like oh i don't know if we want to do that we want to really what was it you want to really hold the customer's hand and give them a bespoke white glove experience. I was like, right, but how many white gloves do you have on your team? Because you're talking about increasing your customers from 10 to 500 within the space of a couple of years. How are you going to make that happen? The last customer you onboarded took them three months to get on board. You don't have that kind of time. And it sounds to me like actually they don't need that white glove experience to be onboarded and what you probably need to do is to have 
some just really good quality engagement with them, some automated emails that tell them how to use the platform, some videos that show them how to set that set their account up. Um, once we did that, we had people signing up through the website, click of a button, pick your plan, fill in your details. Um, and the MRR went from, I think it was about two grand to, yeah, 10 times that within the space of about six months. All because they stopped feeling special and were like, oh, okay, we can just make this a, a process, standardize it, make it simple, get the customer to do it. It takes them five minutes. Sorted. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's, I'm thinking of a particular company and uh, I won't name them, but they, they have that process down to an absolute T. And recently they've, in order to increase, have started sort of sending out videos with that. So they don't have to ring up every single customer who signs up and say that. And actually what they're doing now, which is increases value because they, you know, the customer signs up, they send out these how to use videos um, in a sort of set pattern or whatever. And now when they're ringing them up, they're ringing them up to upsell rather than ringing them up to get them on board. And obviously yeah. they'll build on board questions and you, they have a very good admin team who, um, you know, who help with any sort of quick generic stuff. Um, but they're freeing up their proper salespeople mm -hmm. to sell, to upsell, to make yeah. the company more money. And, you know, yes, that's been a process over a couple of years to get, to get to that point but now they're seeing their profit just rise so much quicker than it, it had before it's very steady and increasing each year at x amount very similar amount and now it's just you know even after a few months of doing it it's made such a massive difference and again that process is so set and it will will be written down and this is the process that we're now going to follow so the salespeople understand it who you know two of the salespeople have been there for three, four or five years. They're, mm -hmm. you know, not set in their ways because you have to be adaptable and involved with the company, but they understand now what their job is. And obviously the questions at the start, and again, it comes back to the sort of coaching and then making sure everyone understands everything. But this process is written down in a folder. So if your boss isn't there or you can't get in touch with anybody, you can go and look at that folder and that is what you do. Mm -hmm. Like this new starts, this is, this is how we do it. Like, and then they're there from the start. They're not picking up bad habits from someone who's been there for five years. They're, this is the process, follow it. Obviously make it your own, but don't waste your time ringing everybody. Like, look at, okay, you've gone for the zero package or whatever, which gives you very little, but let's get you on 10 to 25 pounds a month. Let's see if we can get the rest of your office on it because it's per user or whatever. Um, and then suddenly it's, it's just, um, yeah. So I think, it, again, it's massive and it, it all comes back down to process and there are only so many ways that you can do that yeah. you don't need as a, a founder a startup i know we've concentrated mainly on startups here but that's sort of who i guess me and you deal with more more than anyone certainly myself um you, you know don't reinvent the wheel you, do, you don't need to the no. simple you know simple process out there follow that if it doesn't work try another one you know mm -hmm. or try harder yeah, otherwise you're just setting yourself up for a scalability bottleneck and that doesn't look good to investors. Yeah, 100%.
Thanks for joining us on the PropTech Growth Podcast. To learn more, you can find us on LinkedIn or email proptechpodcast at iCloud.com. See you next time.